mistake here. Yes, stand please. God calls us away from the tumult of the world that we may focus our thoughts on things that are lasting. In God's presence, we say our Lord, the broken pieces are put back together. God calls us out of the loneliness into a life of community, worshiping together, caring about one another. We discover what it means to be truly human. But God will send us back into the world's confusion and busyness, its brokenness and isolation. We will go with serenity and joy, strengthening God's strength and the bearers of peace.
Good morning. I hope that you are uh, happy to be here and to be joined together with others as we come to worship the one true and living God and to share together in worship and fellowship and study. Today is uh, a day that's um, damp outside, but we're drying here and we're uh, comfortable, but yet we hope that um, we will be challenged with some things that might make us be uncomfortable with the way that we uh, carry the gospel out, and that is that we should be more fervent in our daily carrying forth that message. Southside is a Baptist church eager to be the people of Christ in this community, and we do that by building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And we do each week as people come in, we hope that everyone feels welcome and that by doing so, that that community is built here first, but also goes beyond even around the world. Today, as we share, we want you to take time to fill out the registration booklet at the end of each pew. You can let us know if there's particular uh, changes in your profile as far as your address, phone number, or email, and we'll have that and can e and edit your profile here and be able to be in touch with you. But we do want to welcome all of our guests and members alike. We would ask that uh, you take a moment now and pass the peace of Christ and whatever manner if you that you feel comfortable with given the influenza that we're we're fighting uh around the state especially but if uh if you can speak the words of christ's love by saying to others may the peace of christ be with you do so as at this time and welcome each other to the time of worship It's very good to see some folks back from the far reaches. I'm speaking, uh, of course, of uh, Peggy and some others who uh, are with us today. Good to have everybody uh, with us. And yes, it is rainy here. I, I spent the last four days in Louisville, Kentucky, and the Ohio River is trying to eat up uh, or absorb uh, Louisville right now. Um, it is flooding there, and it was an interesting um, thing getting from my little hotel on one end of the Ohio River area uh, around and around and around. I'm grateful to uh, uh, the makers of my iPhone for a GPS that actually recognized when reg roads were closed. So uh, that's one of those uh, things you don't think about very much, but we are glad to, to see everybody here today. And I'm also glad to uh, say a special thanks not only to Sarah uh, Hazlett for uh, filling in my stead. I was away on Wednesday evening, but also uh, for two things for Ture Pruitt back here, all right? Uh, he um, is one of our Martinson scholars, of course, is a student at, at UAB, grad student, and um, he went beyond the call of duty um, 
Well, the Call of Duty included this Wednesday helping to lead the rehearsal, but then the, when you see him slip out a little bit, the beyond the Call of Duty for a Martinson Scholar is that he's making pancakes for you guys for after the service. So, uh, so just uh, they'll be fresh and ready to roll. Uh, so thanks to Tere for uh, being a multi-talented person, as it were. We are grateful to be here. We're grateful to sing praises. It is a uh, it is the second Sunday of Lent, and so we consider things of of both uh, uh, that we give up, but also that we take into ourselves the thought of of a saving Lord. So uh, may we go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for even the rain. We thank you for every breath that we are able to take. But may we spend this time recharging our batteries so that we may go out and do your bidding to be your self in a world in great need. We thank you for the opportunity to come today to commune with one another, to, to hear your word, to experience it, and then to live it in this coming week as we go forward. We pray it in the name of that one who gave all so that we might also give. Amen. May we stand.
Our first reading of scripture this morning is found in Psalm 116, the first two verses, and then verse 12, or verses 12 through 19. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Here ends our first reading of scripture. Our second reading from the Gospel of John contains the third word of Jesus, which we're going to be looking at in our homily this morning, a short reading. The reading is taken up at the time when the Roman soldiers have been gambling over the seamless robe of Jesus. And we pick up the story in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. In honor of the gospel, will you stand if you're able for the reading? Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of the Lord.
may be seated. How are y'all today? Hey, Martine, come over here. Where I, come sit right here so I can see you. Why is that purple? That's a good question. The reason is that we're in a different season in the church year, the liturgical year. And purple is what we wear during Lent when we think about uh, moving toward Holy Week. When we think about the time that we concentrate on Jesus and what Jesus did as our Savior. So it's a special time. It, purple has to do with the, the idea that Jesus was one who would become king. It was a royal color. Okay? Now, I want to ask you something else. We're talking about people, and we heard Dr. Roxborough read. I want you to see if you know who this is right here. Martine? Grab a picture right here. I'm going to ask you about. Who is this? Who is that? Right here. Mommy. Who? What? That? No. Me. It's you and Jack. It's Martine. It's he. It's Jack and Martine and their mom, uh, mom and dad. Now. Well, uh, it's, well, you'd have to ask uh, Granddad back there, okay? <laughs> because he's also there, right? Who is that? Yeah, and so you are, as members of our Sunday school, that you're a part. Now, this, what I wanted to talk to you about is this. This is your family, but this is also a part of your family, right? Is it your granddad? And what about this? He's a part of your family, right? Who is this? Yeah, he is. He is. And what about these? What they're looking at here is both their picture, but also the pictures of uh, their uncle, Warren, and their cousins, and their aunt also, and their granddad. Now, we, wanted, we were talking about family what makes a family and families come in all different shapes and sizes that's even mine look at that so they're all and if you were to look through this you would see other people that are sitting out here because family is not just those that are part of our immediate family at home but it's a lot of other people well God is part of our family as our spiritual father but look at everybody out here See, as a part of a church, as a part of those who believe, we're all family. Now, Martin, let me ask you something. What does a family member do for another? All kinds of things, don't we? If you help them. If something is wrong, you try to help them. Now, as brothers, you probably create a lot of problems for one another. But you also know that there are times when you have to help, right? And you help your dad and you help your mom. Sometimes, like, Martin can't do something, so I just help him with it. Like, um, I tried to, to help him play beach buggy racing um, by um, t turning off all the controllers. So I just told Martin to press the home button, hold it, press and hold it, and, and then go up and right, okay. and then press that. If any of you need these tips... You can uh, reach him at www.gut.com. 
Thank you. Well, the point is that we all have to have help from time to time, don't you? Sure. We all have to have help, and as family members, we help each other, but your granddad helps you, right? And then all these folks out here, and then your Sunday school teachers help you every week, and they're teaching you things, and Miss Cheryl, when she's teaching you music, all those things are helping. That's what it means when, when we think about our family. We have an earthly family, we have a spiritual family, and our spiritual family are those we're related to because we believe in Christ, in Jesus the Christ. So when you look around, you might see people of all ages, all different colors, all different uh, interests out here. They're all related to one another because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So therefore, we also are to help. And they are to help us as we need them. So let's give thanks for our families and for the fact that Jesus has helped us understand a kind of bigger family. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these children and thank you for the many ways that they help us understand your truths. Bless them. All of us as we seek to be family to one another. In Christ's name. is following scripture which it says take your shoes from off your feet because the ground on which you're standing is holy ground so there we go following scripture yeah. <laughs> will you join me in prayer this morning during this period of lent in our prayers of intercession we're having a sung response a tazy response oh lord hear our prayers uh, the music and the words are to be found in the bulletin and at three three points within the intercessory prayers I will say Lord in your mercy hear our prayers and I invite you to join with the choir in the response O Lord hear our prayers let us pray try you in God mother father lover you are all in all our wholeness and protection you are everything to us by your invitation of grace we come before you with the burdens that we carry burdens sometimes of guilt, burdens of worry and anxiety, the suffering we endure, the issues with which we wrestle, the memory of past wrongs, hurts, and failure. Lord, we bring all that we are into your presence of grace, mercy, and love, and ask that we may know the touch of your hand and healing into our minds and our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. God of grace, we come during this period of Lent 
to take off the things that disturb us and grieve your heart. We confess our wrongs to you this morning. Sometimes our craving for things in this earth rather than heaven, our insatiable need for worldly status, power, and wealth, our words of malice and meanness, the shallowness of our thoughts, pretend sometimes that we are better than we are. Loving God, have mercy upon us. Grant us pardon and remission of all our sins, but grant us your grace and help of your spirit to amend our lives and to put on the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God of grace, in a week when we have been involved with Family Promise and other faith communities to care for those without homes, grant to all who are without shelter help and encouragement in the midst of the uncertainty of life in this world. We pray especially for those who are in hospital, those who are recovering from injury, from operations. We pray for the bereaved, for those who know what it is to live with pain and suffering each day, loneliness or exhaustion. As the God of grace and mercy, we pray that you would bless those for whom we have a special concern on our hearts today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. prayers we offer in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray with confidence and to say our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
We make a lot of our families. I'm always telling people who will listen to me and even those who won't listen to me that I have two daughters and four grandchildren. And I go in and tell them their names and their ages. Charlie's, who's now 13, I know. I'm not old enough to be a grandfather of a teenager. Uh, then Naomi, who's seven, and Zach, who's six, and Daniel, whose fifth birthday is actually today. And he is enjoying a party with a pirate's cake, and we hope to see a video of that when we go home. I could go on, but I'll stop. We make much of what we call family values. And when we say that, we're, we're often thinking about some idealistic view of the family. Mum and dad and 2.2 kids with excellent GPAs and wonderful scholarships to the best of the best colleges in the country. But that immediately excludes others who are also families. One problem we have with a lot of families, perhaps most families, is that somewhere we have some of the fun within the dysfunctional part of family life. We wax critical about, critical about families meeting up for Thanksgiving, and then we forget that great Uncle Zachariah, who is a bit of an odd bod, dresses strangely, makes some unusual comments when we're eating our apple pie or our pumpkin pies at Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Families are good, but families can sometimes be troublesome. We like to think that Christianity is family-centered, family-orientated and driven, and yet Jesus had some strange things to say about family life. Indeed, he was rather hard on family life. He said, you've got to give up some things in order to be one of my disciples. You've got to love your family more than you love me. Then when he was 12 years of age, and the family went on vacation to Jerusalem, and on the way home, Mary and Joe suddenly realized he wasn't with them. And his schoolmates had no idea where he was. And so I suspect rather than walking back to Jerusalem, they were running back. Went to Starbucks, went to Cracker Barrel, but then they discovered that he's in the temple speaking to the theologians, the professors, the philosophers. And Jesus, Mary scolds, you worried your dad and me to death. And Jesus turns to them and says, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Not Joe's business in Nazareth. Now that's an interesting family dynamic. And then when Jesus gets to preaching, and sometimes preachers can get to meddling, he tells people to leave their families behind. Uh, one man comes to him and says, my father's, is, my father's dead, will you give me time to go and bury him? And Jesus curtly replies, let the bed dead bury their own dead. When Mary and his half-brothers come to do an intervention, we would call it, they go to a house where Jesus is teaching, but they can't get near to him. So they, they send a message, and the message is, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he suddenly says to people around about him, he says, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus has a strange relationship with family kin family, earthly family, in his teaching. In John's gospel, the mother of Jesus is never called Mary. She's mentioned twice, but her name is never used. In, in John 2, when Mary comes to Jesus in the midst of a, a family wedding gathering where they've run out of wine and the host and hostess are terribly embarrassed, um, she suggests that Jesus do something about it. And Jesus says to her, what have I got to do with you? 
If I said that to my mother, she'd have given me a clip around the ears. Um, and then here and elsewhere, Jesus addresses her as woman, not mother, woman. It's the same word he uses to address the woman at the, the, the Samaria's well. That's not the text to use, I've discovered, to preach on Mother's Day. And now from the cross, we have this, last, this third word of Jesus. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It's fascinating, to me anyway, that Jesus doesn't address her as mother, behold your son. But he says to John, John, behold your mother. He's not ignoring the fact that she is his mother. Indeed, John describes her as the mother of Jesus. I think there's a concern here that Jesus has for Mary. Jesus is undoubtedly tending to family business. He knows that his mother will be left vulnerable and alone in a kind of patriarchal society. Jesus is about to be abandoned by the Father in heaven, and she will be abandoned as mother. And he takes steps to override the situation by making sure she can have a son who will look after her. She's about to lose her firstborn son in terrible circumstances. And she's given a new son, the one whom Jesus has a special affection for, the one whom Jesus loved. The love that she would have lavished on her own son, she will now lavish upon this son. And he who lavished love upon Jesus will now lavish love upon his mother. There's something more than ha that's happening in this dialogue, however, I think. Jesus is rearranging family business. Jesus is rearranging the way in which we think about family. Because we know that Mary had other children. Where are they in terms of taking her into their houses? But the Gospel of John says that from that day on, Jesus took Mary into his house. And you can go to Ephesus, and the tradition is you can see the house where John took Mary from Palestine when he lived as a pastor in the vicinity of Asia Minor. Jesus is saying to us, I think, something different about what it means to be family. He's broadening our understanding of family. Sometime later, two of the brothers of Jesus will become Christians. James, the brother of our Lord, who writes the epistle of James, and Jude, another brother of Jesus. But that will take some time, probably around the resurrection and after, before they believe. But until that time, indeed after that time, John and Mary have this special relationship. They are bonded not so much with family kin ties, but with the ties of being people of faith. I think this message is a message that brings together a message of hope and healing for those who feel that the family they've known on this earth has not been as strong as it might have been. That the love that they have not known within this world in terms of family life is to be found in the relationships, the new relationships of family that Jesus brings in. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. This is the family of faith that Jesus invites John and Mary 
to be part of at the cross. Jesus is creating a new family. And at the center of it is the remembrance of him, his life, his words, his death, and eventually his resurrection. It's a family not made up by, by blood, not the old way, but by love and care. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Jesus loved this disciple in a special way. It's an intriguing phrase, the way in which he's described, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I thought Jesus loved everybody. Yes, but there is a special affection that the earthly Jesus has with this disciple. And here, the blood connections are now replaced by love connections. There's a thoughtful consideration for us to make here that we are not set just in family ties in terms of our concern for people. And that's inevitable. I know that myself. But there's another family. There's a wider family that Dr. Kelly was reminding the children and ourselves about this morning. It's not just the people in the pages where we see their faces that are part of our family. It's the whole family of God that's part of the church here and broader and wider in the world. The best way to love Jesus, I think we're being told here, whom we cannot see, is to love those whom Jesus loves, whom we can see. Now that's not a difficult theological proposition to consider. We accept it. But it is very difficult at times to live out. So much easier to love an abstraction. Those who are far away, far removed, than those who at our own tables and our own doorsteps. If we're honest, the challenge to love one another as Christ has loved us is very hard. Just the day before this event, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and then he has said to them, I've set you an example to serve one another. And this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He has, comm he has commended that and commanded it and now he demonstrates how it will be worked out. It will be worked out by John looking after Mary and Mary tending for John. It's worked out with us tending for one another and being an inclusive community of grace and then bringing that grace of God into our love and concern for others in the world. It includes loving and it includes forgiving. That's one of the toughest challenges of being a disciple of Jesus. It's not loving Jesus. That's the easy bit. It's loving his friends. And it's no good to think that we could go to a church out there that's in the past to find a perfect church. C.H. Spurgeon used to say, if you, if, you, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll just mess it up. Because we're all sinners. We're all failures. And we recognize that. But we are called to love one another as Christ has loved us. The fellowship of God's people represents to us both the greatest opportunity to attain maturity in our faith, but also the greatest test of it. Local fellowship of God's people, of which we are a part, compromises saint and sinner, zealous and half-hearted, the radiantly good and the anonymously ordinary. The church is the community consisting of friends of Jesus, people who are at different stages in their spiritual pilgrimage, and as part of the church, we are called by Jesus to care for one another. That's, I think, at the heart of what Jesus is saying in this, in this statement. 
Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. The new community of faith that I am inaugurating here as a result of my death and my resurrection. My church will be united in their love for me and their love for one another. How did this arrangement work out in practice, do you think? Well, we've got hints of it in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, when we read of the disciples meeting together in Jerusalem, waiting for the day of Pentecost, we have a list of some of their names. And we read, and all these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. So at that point, some of the brothers are in the family of God. Church tradition, as I suggested earlier on, has Mary living in the home of John in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. Some people think that she's referred to in 2 John 1 verse 1, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. There are hints that this command of Jesus is fulfilled. Mary becomes part of the family of God. She becomes one who receives the gift of the Spirit. She becomes one amongst others, who has been richly blessed to be the mother of Jesus, but now is richly blessed to have sisters and brothers who will care for her and she will care for them. When the Christian community is working as it is supposed to work, people are brought together, sometimes if we're honest, to have very little in common, who may have diametrically opposed views in terms of politics, theology, education, who may even be people who don't necessarily like the other people who are in the community of faith. That's not the issue. The issue is that we are called to be part of the family of God based on sheer grace and mercy. The mercy and grace of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who have adopted us into his family. A family where the old cultural divisions are broken down. Where the bonds of love are even stronger than the bonds of blood. In his book, Christianity Rediscovered, Vincent Donovan tells of his work amongst the Maasai people in Africa. He celebrated the Eucharist with them for the first time. It was going to be difficult for him. He had been trying to prepare them for it because in the culture of the Maasai people, men and women didn't sit down at the table together, at the food table. The men felt that that would be beneath them, that somehow they would be defiled by sitting with another person of a different gender. But he convinced them that in the family of God, these old barriers are broken down. And when they celebrated the Mass, the Eucharist, for the first time in that tribe, the sign and the symbol of the grace and the acceptance of God had become something to celebrate amongst these women. And many of them told him that the good news he had talked about so constantly was now really good news to them, bonded together in the love of Christ. Mary found her future to be tied up in the community, which believed with Paul that in Christ there is neither male nor female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in fervent love.
Will you pray with me? God of grace, we thank you for your love, which has brought us into your family and richly blessed us in our lives. Help us to value one another and to take the opportunities to care for one another as you have cared for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Our hymn of response this morning is number 267. A hymn of John Fawcett, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. 267. Please bow your heads. Father, we are here today to worship you and to hear your word. We are so incredibly blessed. There are so many things we take for granted that you have given to us. Food, shelter, friends, relatives, a hot shower, and a cold refrigerator. We take these things for granted. Sometimes we take our families for granted also. Our blood families, our church family, and the families we create for ourselves from our friends. Father, we are so thankful and we pray that you will accept our tithes and offerings as a small token of our appreciation for all that you do for us. Amen.
Loving Lord, we bring these gifts into your house. We ask that you would bless them, these tithes and offerings that are presented for the furtherance of your kingdom. Bless them, Lord, multiply them, and may they be used to carry forth the gospel in this community and beyond. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, please, and let me uh, welcome again the guests that are with us, that are visiting with us today, and we're happy that you're here. Also, to uh, welcome those who may have been away for a while, we're glad to be back. Uh, and also, pay attention to several things here in the back of the uh, on the back of the events for the week. You'll see those listed there. We have um, a special thing. One of those being today. I'm not sure what's going on with this, but anyway, one today that is the uh, rounds or lunch on rounds. We're going to have brunch food. It'll be at 12:15 down in Drennan Hall, and so we hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Guest, if you're here and you say, "Well, I didn't bring anything," I don't know if there'll be enough. There's plenty. There's always plenty. We trust that the Lord will provide. If uh, for some reason we haven't provided that, but then God will make sure that happens. So you come and be a part of that, and then also you'll see the. Um, not only that, there's also some entertainment afterwards. Bingo. So you come to that. It's, uh, did you notice that this thing cut out when I said bingo? Yes. Let's see if this works here. Be, there will be some enter entertainment as far as your fellowship time together as we play that together. And, uh, just have a good time together as a church family, um, which is what we have all been talking about today is our time of, of enjoying the, the time we spend together. And then on um, Monday, our deacons meeting, but Wednesday, a special uh, opportunity for the Christian biography. Uh, Dr. Roxborough will be presenting on John and Charles Wesley. And we've had a, a really good response to all of these different sessions that have been offered. Hope you'll be a part of that. And then we're trying something new. It's uh, recreational basketball with Baptist Church of the Covenant in the gymnasium. And some people may think that really is March Madness for us to think about this, <laughs> given the, the likes of us. But if you don't want to play basketball, there's, there's a table tennis table there, so you can come and participate and you can watch the others. But anyway, uh, that's on Wednesday evening at 7.15. And then on Thursday, the men's lunch and Bible study. Charlie Waldrop's leading that. It's, it's well attended and people have a, a good time together and learning together. And then at 5.30, the communion service in Memorial Chapel. Take notice of that. If you have any questions about any of those activities you can be a, that you can be a part of, hope that you will uh, take that uh, to heart and, and call and ask if you have questions. As we prepare to go, Dr. Roxburgh is going to have a benediction and then we will be dismissed to downstairs where we will share together in a meal and but also fellowship together. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you now and forevermore. Amen.